Good morning. My name is Kyle Smith, and I get to read from John 6. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is in the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes and then seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that the people may eat? Jesus then took the loaves, and when he given thanks, distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has sent his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What would you do? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he had said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live for forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh." The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. 
Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And the living Father sent me... Sorry. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, and I live because of my Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. And this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the Father ate, your fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples had heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what is it? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are in spirit and in life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those words, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And Jesus said to him, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to, this, to the twelve, Do you want to go as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the God. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and um, we had a very long reading today. It's just important that you get the context. Um, of course, um, I'm not going to dig into deeply into each of these verses, or we will be here for a year. Um, it's a really, really deep passage. I do recommend when I have long readings like that, that you would go back, reread them. Some of the things I say here that you would go back and digest some of the scriptures I did not get into. Um, and I always have to make that disclaimer because I think it's very important that we get out of the word of God what the word of God is saying. And so I want to let you know ahead of time, I'm not going to get out of it everything that it's going, that is saying today, but you need all the pieces so that you can get what I'm going to say from the Word of God from, for you today out of it. Context is so very important. Um, so we continue in our sermon series, Summer Confessions um, and uh, series, where I am sharing some of the reflections and journaling I did on my uh, let's call it a mini sabbatical, um, and some stuff that happens in the summer with many of us that may parallel uh, some of your own experiences, um, and uh, which I hope will help illuminate lessons from God's Word. One thing we look forward to as a family is most of you, when you go away to another city, cookouts, hangouts in the summer months, is the food, right? Don't you look forward to that? And not just going away to another city. I mean, we live in Huntersville now, so we're not in the city. Somebody was teasing me. I think it was, um, it was David, Kim, and Tim who was up here. We went to the conference last weekend. Because of my mailing address, they had Christ Central Church, Huntersville, like my name, Huntersville, North Carolina. And they, they had Charlotte on theirs. And they were like, ha-ha, Huntersville, suburban boy. But like... So even when I come into the city, I don't even have to go to another city with all the stuff popping up. 
with the explosion of newness going on in Charlotte, even around here with all the new restaurants and eateries and water holes, this, this summer between an emerging, growing city and out-of-town excursions, it's sort of been a foodie's paradise. Almost. Because guess what? With all food possibilities, like everything else, or the food mess up inevitabilities, right? Especially in this fallen world. In our passage, Jesus does one of the best-known miracles. Many of you know it. Even if you've never read the Bible, you kind of know this thing. And if you're not a Christian today, you might know this story, how Jesus fed over 5,000 with a little boy's lunch of fish and bread. But Jesus is more than a waiter and cook will discover here. The food, as real and great as it was in this miracle feeding, is simply a prop in our passage today. It's a prop. It's a tool to show us our hearts. And what better prop, right? What better tool? What, what better metaphor and for life? What better instigator and teaser of what really lies within our souls than food and messing with our food? Because truth be told, we are at the very least metaphorically foodies in a fallen world. We're all searching for full fill meant, right, in this life. With that said, there are three things with the help of my summer foodie dilemma and the truth of God's word here today I want us to take in. First, as foodies in a fallen world, we all suffer from hunger, right? Secondly, our attempts at fulfillment disappoints. And finally, we all need divine food. We suffer from hunger, our attempts at fulfillment disappoint, and finally, we all need divine food. So in our passage, it says that it's Passover time, and folks are on a holy day, otherwise known as a holiday, vacation, traveling with their families away from home, and Jesus takes on their inability to find and prepare food. Remember, there are no fast food places here. It isn't like he can say, go get a chicken biscuit or something, right? Go up here, run up here, y'all go and grab something. There's a new place to eat, come on back. No, you had to go get your food, gather it, cook it, bake it, no coolers. You had to maybe kill it, you know, pluck it, whatever. You either had to make camp and eat something or go home to eat. And so his disciples are like, this is your weekend conference, Jesus. They've come to see you and we got to have a meal plan. These folk got to eat. And it shows us something about ourselves, doesn't it? Like these people. We all suffer from that pre-existing, reoccurring condition as human beings known as hunger. We are never just full and fine all the time, forever. We all suffer from nagging emptiness, and along with that, some really peculiar and big appetites. What we look, for on going, look forward to on going on vacation and being in a city like this is food, but behind all the excitement of being a foodie, right? Eating has a basic brokenness about it, that the whole thing will stop or fall apart. The whole vacation, the whole day will fall apart if we don't eat, regardless of how much fun you're having, Right? Um, it, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it is irritating sometimes when you want to do something and here it comes. 
Stop everything. We hungry, right? I'm hungry, right? Not again. And my wife, who is a great cook and, 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 and simply is, let's call her the primary chef in our family, right? Sometimes says, when I'm like, when we're looking around like, hey, mom. And you, yeah, she don't even have to say anything. I'll just come up around 5.30 with that face. And she says, I know. And I'll go, what's for dinner? We hungry. Like you can feel it coming. Like it's going to happen. And so she, sometimes she says, ah, y'all always hungry. Why y'all always hungry? Why do y'all always have to eat every day? And on vacation, food planning was given to me. And I thought, wow, this is pretty good. I get to control everything. And Kelly so easily gave it. Howard, you plan all the meals. You tell us where we go eat. I'm like, yes. I'm the man. I'm in charge. (laughs) Then every day, I woke up. I see these people, as we say in Charleston, their mouth all white, right? (laughs) Dad, where we going to eat? Kelly, with the smile on her face. Where we eating? Right? We're hungry. Every day I had this small pressure around lunch and dinner time, around the fact that these people, myself included, are empty, and we have to take care of our bodies. We have to eat in order to live. But if that were just it, that would be easy. Because I could just get a big box of cereal and milk, maybe some bolognese, and say, if y'all want to eat some bologna and some PB&J, and say, hey, there's food. Eat that three times a day. Happy vacation. But hunger's complicated, isn't it? Because in hunger, we not only have to eat to live, but let's face it, most of us live to eat. We're not only all empty, we have what I would describe as big, peculiar appetites. Hunger is about desire, not just needs. Look at our passage again at these people starting at verse 4 and then 5. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and, see, then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. And then verse, look at verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who receded, so also the fish as much as they wanted. But look back at verse 2, if you will. And a large crowd again was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. These people are not just hungry. These are people following Jesus because they have an appetite, right? For more than just the fish and the bread, really. Look who they are. These are people following around who have folk who are sick. These are poor folk, y'all. This is more than just, hey, let me have a meal. Give me a box of lunch. No less, but more than that. When we go out of town, we not only take our basic needs, we are starved for, star, basic needs, needs rather, we are starved to experience, right? We look ahead. I look ahead. Okay, we're going to this place because it got the top rating. Look at this picture. I want to go here, 
right? To experience, to enjoy, to feel safe, like the place may not be roach infested, right? We found this great place to eat and we drove by and we're like, I don't know if I'm eating there, right? It's got the best this in the city. It's also got something else in the city, right? Like we want to go somewhere where we get to feel seen, especially if you're poor and important and where things are different than what we have been able to provide for ourselves in our home. And so there's this hunger for more than food itself. We have a big and broad and wide appetite around the experience of food. We want more than nutrients. We want nurture. We want niche. We want a place to belong. I want to go in and feel like I run this place for once instead of everything running me. These are people with no lunch, with no homes to go to possibly, who haven't eaten consistently for days. They're following Jesus because they need more than food. They need, like real foodies, more than sustenance. But these are people looking for an ambiance of safety and security and hope and customer service. They're looking for a place at the proverbial table. They're looking for better and good seating by the window in the booth. They're looking for some place to go that is different than a life they have experienced. They're looking for life to taste more, that taste more than just pain and nasty and bitterness and suffering and loneliness and brokenness, right? They're hoping Jesus, like he did the bread and the, and, the, and the fish, can whip up and whipping up food, appetite, suppression, and security in a fallen world. When you look at the Yelp reviews, I've seen five stars on the food, right? And one star on service. Come on, Popeye's chicken sandwich fans. Where y'all at? What happened? What happened to all those videos? Y'all gave it five stars. What's up this week? Y'all back at Chick-fil-A. What happened? Because the sandwich was five star. But the service? I'm talking, not, not, not the people working there, because they did a good job with what they had. But somewhere in the distribution chain, was one star. Your appetite goes beyond just eating a sandwich. It's not having to die from hunger, waiting for that sandwich, and being able to go back for more, right? Let's own this. We are all dying to be filled in ways we are hungry, and we all hunger for more out of this life, right? Like these people, it is the human dilemma in being out of town and out of touch and out of reach in your hunger to get something and needing something to finally fill your nagging loneliness or your fear, your pain, your suffering. But you know that filling all those needs is not all there is. You want to live. You want attention. You want to be seen. Some of y'all just want to be hugged by somebody else. Some of us want success. Security and more to this life, not just life itself. Life itself is really bland. Here's the problem, and we will dig into more of this later. In that driving hunger, we will eat and have eaten almost anything and everything to not only fix the desperate emptiness in whatever way we feel it, but address the appetite of our need for more out of our... Uh, we'll address the appetite of our need for more, right? 
in a way that isn't good for us. And providing food, Jesus addressing their need to live and their desire to have life abundantly in ways a broken world has taken it. He's seeking to feed their needs and their appetites to finally be a people, right? And a community with resources. When you have food, you can be a community. If you have a way for everybody to be served, you can be something. And the people give him an extreme Yelp write-up, right, for what he has done. Listen to this Yelp review in verse 14 and 15. Look at this. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed not a, the prophet who has come, to, come into the world, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to what? Make him king. Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. That's some kind of Yelp review. If you provide and cook so good, If your food and service is so good that you're ready to make your cook or chef your king, something is really right about her or really wrong with you. In this passage, of course, this response to Jesus filling their hunger is both right and wrong. It is right that he is the prophet and king, but they're doing it for the wrong reasons and heart. And we see that because Jesus rejects the nomination. He walks away from that. The Bible says that he saw they're going to make him king by force because of the good food he gave him. And he was like, nope, that ain't what I'm here for. That ain't it. Y'all missed it. Like them. Bad news about us. And I fall in the same category. Our hunger as human beings, our emptiness and appetites are a liability. It's hard being poor. It's a liability. We are ripe for addictions. And when I say poor, poor in your spirit, even if your bank account's full. Getting into bad relationships, unhealthy choices. Do you see that in in some neighborhoods, the corner stores, if you ever go into them, you know, we call them food deserts. And and you go in there and what's in there? Artificial colored drink and, and chips, right? But the same is true in life about everything, right? We we are ripe for addictions and getting into bad relationships and unhealthy choices and religiosity and hurting ourselves and idolizing things and methods and get this, relating to God the way we shouldn't because we are so foodie in our hearts. We are always hungry and that makes us prime for mistakes and greed and, and malnutrition in our relationships and faith and our thinking and our desires, whether sexually or emotionally or socially and spiritually. We'll eat anything. We'll call anything king. We'll make anything the prophet. Because we're so empty. Appetite's so big. But Jesus is simply teasing and drawing them through this miracle that exposed their fallen hunger to something deeper. He wants them to see this, (laughs) that all earthly attempts at fulfillment will disappoint because it's never enough and it's always more than you can afford. Right? 
Look at what happens. The, the, the Bible says the next day. <laughs> Jesus got in the way. We see him do this when people have the wrong intentions for and about his life. We, this happens in scripture. They gra- gather Jesus to throw him off the cliff and he slides through the crowd. How did he get away? He just knows how to disappear. Blink, he gone like some kind of superhero. Where was Jesus? He was right here. And this crowd goes and tracks him down the next day. And look what Jesus says when they catch up to him the next day in verse 25. Uh-oh. Okay, next page. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi. That's like, hey, dude, my favorite. We love you. You're our leader. Rabbi. Where did you come here? Right? Where did you come here? We went looking for you, but when did you come here? Right? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you, are, because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Right? That, that this is the one. Simple. This one, my, this is my favorite verses. Because truly, truly is an exclamation mark. You know what y'all want. Jesus almost fussing at them. You know why y'all coming to see me? How'd you get here, Jesus? Hey, what's up, man? Y'all just want some more food. Right? Son of God. Incarnation. God coming to flesh. Amen. What's up? No. You just want more food. The food has run out. It's time to eat again. It's the next day. They're hungry again. They want to see if there are any leftovers. They have to get their emptiness and appetites dealt with all over again. You know, one thing sickening about being at vacation, on vacation and eating, it's never enough. <laughs> Either because there aren't enough leftovers, I'm, only, I'm normally eyeing Kelly's styrofoam container. And she'll say, don't look at this. This is mine. I just wait. I just wait. Like the hyena in the background. I just wait. Ah. Scar, when are we next? We hungry. But anyway, either because there aren't enough leftovers, because we are hungry again and don't want to have the same kind of food again. It always disappoints. Hey, that burger was good yesterday. Let's go back and do that again. No, Dad. We had that yesterday. But even beyond that, to go to a place that has been made all over by the reviews, and I've convinced my family, especially if it's a place that I've eaten before or someone else has to recommend something, and it was good that first time, and you, and you start scanning the menu again, and, and what you really want, you got to try this soup. Oh, man, can we get that soup? Sorry, we out. Ah! You're not going to get the experience. Or that food that night flops. It's the wrong cook that day. Right? Like somebody else in the kitchen. If you eat enough, sorry, maybe we just eat too much. But just like you you go there and you have it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Hey, everybody, come on, come on. Let's go catch up and get it again. Let's go to this restaurant. You get there to, ah, and your friend either, they don't like it. Ah, this tastes bad. The pressure. I've had them say, bad choice, dad, no. 
This happened when we were in Fort Lauderdale. I thought we, because one thing we put down on our thing, because we kind of, we did something different. We outlined our goals for the, for the, for the uh, vacation. One thing is we wanted to eat food that was peculiar to that area that we can't get here. So we picked up the seafood place. I'm like, this is it. Look at the reviews. We got there to this, and you know, I try not to judge a book by its cover, and we drove up to the strip mall, and Kelly's like, this don't look right. <laughs> the best Jamaican fish in town, ain't no Jamaicans in there. <laughs> they trying to make in Jamaican, but they ain't Jamaican, right? And they were like, Dad, we spent so much money, and this tastes bad. Wasted trip. But you know what really frustrates me more than that? Y'all know me, so you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm from South Carolina. I ain't as sophisticated as a lot of y'all. It's like Amari and Sharice from New York and all, you know. You know, the best food in Queens, and then we go over to this part of New York. I only got one part of Charleston, y'all. We don't have, like, it's just Charleston. It ain't like over here in this borough, in this Brooklyn, in this Bronx. No, man, please. But here's what, what really bugs me, is, is they got this new thing, y'all, and you've experienced Foodie World, called plates. Plates are different than entrees. Small plates. I hate small plates. <laughs> you get some well-mannered, like, I don't know if she look at us and think, oh, you know, here these folk, they don't look like they're supposed to be in here. And they say, let me explain you how the menu works. How we looking at the menu? Like, where, where are the sides, man? And they're like, simple black people from Charleston. Geechee man from the low country. These are small plates. So you should, and they, they do the same thing with their hands. You should just get a bunch of them at the table. We do it family style. We do it. And the first thing I think, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to be hungry. I'm and, and hungry and broke at the end. You ever see what a small plate costs? How they charge me a small plate price? It ain't no sides. I'm going to be hungry. It's not going to be enough food. I should have looked around at all these keto, vegan, five, yoga, thin, beard-wearing hipsters in the restaurant before I went in there. All sharing food. I should have looked and said, we're going to die. And we don't have no money. I want my plate with two sides. That tastes good. I don't want to have to choose between two and all that. Oh, that tastes so good. We're just a little bit of Oh, it's so nice. If it tastes good, give me more. Not less. I'll take the so-and-so fish. Y'all ever seen that? Where's the head and the tail? <laughs> I always have this tension when places are recommended in Oshishi these days because you got to have a pizza place backup plan. At this point, I'm feeling what the crowd is feeling. Jesus has Popeye chickened us. He has. We have waited all this time, gotten a taste. 
wanted to make you king of the fish sandwiches, posted our videos about you, taking an extra hour lunch break for you, and now you tell us you have run out. This is not right. I don't care who you are. You got to give the people what they want based on how and why they hunger. You can't do this to poor people. Here's what Jesus wants us to know and see. It's hard to accept that when you have tasted success and power and freedom and good feelings in this life in your way, in, in your way nothing you try or can get or pay for yourself in this fallen world, regardless of what it is, you can fool yourself with your little fork dip and whatever. It'll never be enough for your hunger and appetite. It will miss it will fail. It won't be there the next time. You'll never be able to get back to that first high. You'll find fault with it. You will get tired and complain about it. There will only be one wedding day or one honeymoon sometimes. There's really a good groundhog's day in life. All these people Jesus fed and healed, and we look at the Bible, so-and-so got healed. They died. You know that? Everybody who he got healed died. And they might have gotten sick again. And Jesus did, but the crowd approaches and pursues rather Jesus like they would anything and anyone. Else. They want to make him king, which would have forced him, hear this, forced him to give what they wanted, how they wanted, when they wanted, the, the way they imagined they needed and wanted. So to make him king would be to hire Jesus, which meant they could eventually fire Jesus. See, they wanted a, sheet, a, a chief who would be their short order chef and a king who would cater to them. And they wouldn't could have only ordered demanded what would eventually, as Jesus said, spoil. You're demanding of me things that are going to go bad, things that are going to disappoint. Why would you do this when a son of God is standing right here? Jesus did not come to be a part of such a short ordered small-plated life. Like most things and people in our life, in life, in our hunger, that we bow to, we give our allegiance to, and energy to, and demand to, and hire to give us the body we want, and finances we want, and the relationships we want, and the acceptance we want, and the fun and pleasure sex we want, only for it, it, we all do it only for it to never be enough. And like some of us now, we are disappointed, not only with what we have and what we've become, because it disappoints, but guess what? Even with God. Because you made God a short order cook. You gave him the menu. Cook this, because I'm hungry in this way. And you know, sometimes he did it. Just to show you, you hunger for more than this. But not being enough is only half of the disappointment. It's more than we can afford. Look at verse 27 and 29. But we know where this man comes from. It's, oh, I'm in chapter 7. Sorry. Uh, okay, 27. Uh, Jesus says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then he go, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So, that, so they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you uh, believe you, what work do you perform? Okay, um, I went too far there. All right, uh, so their response to Jesus' small plate offering 
is to give Jesus a Bible lesson. That's like saying, Bobby Flay, let me tell you how to cook, right? And explain to him that in the desert, and I'm, I'm not, not going to go through all this and read all this, but they explain to him that in the desert, when we left Egypt, God sent food through Moses, right? They're basically saying, if you are a prophet, right, do it like Moses did it, right? If you are a prophet, get back in the proverbial kitchen and do your job and get us some of that food from heaven, just like he did manna from heaven. We are the people of God. Give us some healing. Give us some food. Keep it coming. Right? Give us that bread that is eternal, meaning not eternal in the way Jesus is talking about, but meaning never ending and feeding their hungry, hungry life. That's what God wants, Jesus. Let me tell you, prophet, what you should be doing if you're a real prophet. Isn't it amazing how quickly hungry people become hangry people? <laughs> and then Jesus says this in verse 35. Look with me at this verse. Uh, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father that gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of, of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That, there's the gospel. That's the gospel. I did a lot of skipping, but for time's sake, long passage, that's all y'all going to get right now. And that frustration confuses them. What he says, that Jesus calls himself someone and something straight from heaven. You get this? And not just a prophet sent to serve them what they want. I come straight from heaven, straight from God. Oh, man. Why couldn't you just be God's waiter? And if that's not confusing enough, Jesus takes it to a whole new level. Look at verse 51, what he says. So they're grumbling about this. We don't like who you say you are. I'm the bread of heaven. I come straight from. I am the man. Man, get over it. What's wrong with you? Get with the program. Fish, bread, right? Be the king. Make us, make us full. Give us security. Beat the Romans, whatever. But look what he says in verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give him from the life of the world is my flesh. What you talking about? Keep going. The, the Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man, he ain't a prophet no more. He's just this man. He ain't Jesus. He's this man. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood... You have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And then look what they say to this blood and body thing Jesus says. They say what we would say if we just see this dude who's Mary and Joseph's son. 
right? Look, look what they say in verse 60. And we know our Bible history. We know how God acted in, 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 in the, when we were in the desert. So, so don't give us some new redacted history where you're the bread and all the blood and the body stuff, right? Look, look, look what they say in verse 60. Um, when many of the, his disciples heard it, now disciples means people who are following his teaching. There's a bunch of people right now, right? I call it the worst evangelism implosion, not explosion, in history. If 5,000 people were following him, this Jesus statement, he lost 4,988 people in one day. What a successful ministry. Because he talked about body and blood. So this is what happened. When, when many of the disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. <laughs> Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself the disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who, who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said this, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. After this, not many, y'all. Let's change that word if I can. Most, most of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. You know, what I always look at when I check restaurants online out of town, like y'all, I look at how many dollar signs are next. You know how they got the little two, three, four? And even if it has a good review, I'm like, that one with four? Mm -mm. That ain't us. We poor. We broke. We had a timeshare because my dad owns it. Like, like the, we, we getting by. We glad they got a pool because we can't afford to go to the water park, right? Make this your water park. It's free. It comes with a timeshare. <laughs> I told y'all a story. Uh, we went on vacation on a timeshare to Orlando. Don't go to Orlando and not have no money. Because we were like, we're going to Disney World. Movie theater. We were at the theater, and we didn't have no money, y'all. Don't go to Orlando with no money. And we're standing at the fence, looking across at Disney World. Because they have this water thing. You take the ferry over and be like, we ain't going there today. <laughs> Seeing everybody having a good time. Anyway, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Yeah, we broke. So I look at the dollar signs, right? When it's said and done to fill your hunger, you just can't do it, do it sometimes. And then finally, most importantly, you, we can't afford it health-wise. We, man, to be a young foodie again, Callie, you know? Oh, Lord. To be thin. No kids, just me and you. We got them hungry kids. And they want shrimp and stuff. They don't want the chicken nuggets with the mac and cheese. They want the lobster mac and cheese. We can't get nothing no more. So, you know, it's out of reach. And Jesus asking for too much for his divine eternal life buffet. It is, as they, say, as they say, too hard to understand. It's too hard to jive with how their lives have worked out so far. Another thing about these newfangled, great taste, small and large plate a la carte places, the cost adds up to feed you. 
When it's said and done to fill your hunger, you just can't do it. And then finally, most importantly, you, like I said, you can't afford it health-wise. Think about all the food allergies and being a diabetic and then Kelly having her gluten intolerance. And then you know that it's the high sugar and sodium content that makes it taste so good. We can't afford physically to go to many places and are cut off from the full treatment and offerings. And we leave hungry and disappointed having to eat that special pizza crust. <laughs> oh, we have to eat the bun no bun, amazing burger, right? You can't eat a burger without a bun. But, but if I were to eat it, it would make us overeat and make you sick. And if I weren't diabetic, I would be way more overweight and unhealthy, right? I was telling Amari Therese when we ate last night, I was like, you know, I'm having to stop here because I'm diabetic. But if I weren't, I would have kept eating. I don't know which one's better. Jesus thinks you can't afford to live life just to fill your earthly, worldly hunger and earthly, worldly ways. It will spiritually and emotionally harm and kill you. Chasing to get every desire and need met on this side, trying to find that emotional mommy, right? That, that, that perfect taste. Let me make this clear. And he is not saying these, let me make this clear. He is not saying to these poor folks that God doesn't care that they eat, that he won't provide, but that he has come to give them more than what they even are longing for. This is good news for poor people. Wait a minute. I just came here to get fish. Jesus saying, that's great. God will provide. But he wants to give you more. Sometimes when you're impoverished, you don't know that there's more. You don't know there's dessert. It's too hard to understand when they're like, we got an appetizer. You know, sometimes you, kids, you know, kids always say appetizer. They want to fill up on that. No. And last night I got the salad last. I don't know why. It's one of them small plate places and you find stuff later. I'm like, I'll take the salad. And Keller's like, you know, that's a palate cleanser. Man, that's just a salad. She's like, no, because it's all herbs and it's designed to get you ready to eat. And I ate it last, right? When you don't know no better, you eat the palate cleanser as your meal because you don't think there's more. He is saying in your short-sightedness and your hunger and poverty, you miss it. I had a counselor who says, Howard, you don't hunger for enough. You think you're hungry? Let me tell you about what. You, you don't hunger. You, you, you don't have an appetite for enough. Because you can't afford it. Because it has proven to not be good for you. Or, or you have settled to get by emotionally, spiritually. Jesus is saying, look beyond the bread and fish. Beyond the limitations of the hunger and disappointments in your life. It, it, to me, and Jesus gives them this. I must become your food. You must be willing to turn away from your way and let me become the food of your fulfillment. That I am not your chef or caterer, but so much more. I am the food that God wants to serve you. And that statement itself is beyond what they could afford afforded then. Sometimes I find myself in places beyond my food education and palate, y'all. Oh, this is the cool place to eat? Yeah. Dog, what's that mean? You done got ahead of yourself, man. You thought you were educated. You ain't ready. What's this mean? I need Kelly. Kelly, what, 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 what's this sauce? 
I just look at other people's plate. That look good. I'll have what they're having, right? Because I can't pronounce it. It's embarrassing. When you can't pronounce it, and then it, you know what we say? If the price of the thing in on the menu, don't get it. Because that means you can't afford it. Sometimes I look at the price first. I'm like, then I look at the description. <laughs> and that's what they did with Jesus. I want to know what it's going to cost me. Some places when you are broke and ignorant, you just stay away from. And when it comes to the gospel, sometimes restaurants, I go by and I'm like, that ain't us. That ain't for me. I'm broke. I'm poor. I don't even know how to order what's in there. I ain't even going in. Kelly, that ain't for us. Sometimes we go places and we like, this ain't for us, but we here, right? This ain't for us, Jesus. It's too hard. Eat you? Huh? Where's the menu for that? What are the two sides that go with that? How do you order that? Jesus a la carte? Mm -mm. How do you pay for that? How do you demand that? What earthly transaction do I have to do to do that? You know, again, when you broke, you always want to know how you're going to pay for it. Sometimes, most of the time, we in the rest, I'm like, Kelly, we got enough money in the bank? Yeah. Then my smile comes back. Here's the deal. Being a foodie in the fallen world is all about control and cost and filling yourself. When the gospel is all about receiving, and hear this, y'all, reclining and leaning and trusting, trusting, and as Jesus says, being invited. To sit with God. That's the more. Let me finish this. It's funny how the crowd disputes their need for Jesus giving them food by using the story of manna in the desert. Do you know what happened? You don't bring that story up. That's a very embarrassing story for, story for a Jew to bring up. Right? They give them manna. They said, we don't want this. We want meat. So Jesus gives them meat. God gives them meat from heaven. They're like, wait. Back in Egypt, we had salt, pepper, and onions to go with this. We don't want that. Let's go back to Egypt. This sucks, Moses. It tastes bad. It's embarrassing. And yet they're like, Jesus, be like that. And Jesus like, have you not learned that even when God gave you what you thought you wanted, you misplaced it? Here's what they miss and we do too. The food was never about the food God provided. Hear me now. I know I'm going longer, but just hear me. It was never about the food God provided, but about them getting the God that provided the food. It was never about being fed by God, but about them being with God at the table. It is easy to miss why we ate on vacation. Yes, to live, but to enjoy life and community together. To, to go to a restaurant, not just because of what was on the table, what we couldn't afford. But in the end, guess what? I'm having a time with Harrison and Clark and Kelly, and we're enjoying each other, and we're in the place together. And even if the food's bad, we have community around that. 
Isn't it amazing? After the food is bad, we can laugh about it. There's some community. Man, remember that? That thing tastes bad. Ha ha, right? There's even joy in the brokenness. There is joy when there isn't enough because we're with each other. Right? Like, like, we even laugh. Remember that little thing we had? Yeah, man, with the little flower on it. And they said you could eat the flower, and we had to because we was hungry. Remember that? Ha-ha! You were there with me in the place of brokenness. And I knew that was going to last. So whatever meal you give me, Whatever place I end up, whatever disappointment we get in together, whatever we seek that ends up being empty, we're going to go to the next place in life because we sat at that meal together. Jesus came as a bread of life so we could eat at the table with God. Do you get it? When we were in Baltimore, there was a, um, we had a little food thing in the middle of pretty, at that point, broke down part of town. And one of the ladies we knew, her son, because we ministered him, was Karen. She was a prostitute in the neighborhood. And I was like, Karen, come on in. Get some food. She wouldn't come. She didn't think she belonged. She would just take the food, but she wouldn't come in. The goal of the food for her was for her to feel like she was an important part of the community. Then why Jesus came to be your food? So that those of us who are broken, those of us with whatever extreme way we've sought to provide for ourselves and love for ourselves and prostitute ourselves to belong, that he would be broken that he would suffer on the cross so that you could come in and have a place to live and be, even in this broken world, his forever. Forever. Never on the outskirts, never leaving with plate with the foil on it, going somewhere alone, but always being a part of his kingdom because the food is the sacrifice Lord Jesus himself. And the disciples got it. Come what may. You have the words of life. Lord, you've invited us in. We're the people of God. Because we've eaten the sacrifice. Like Jesus is now our fulfillment. You know, they, they forgot something. That food back then was very ceremonial. You don't just eat with somebody just to eat with people. That's why I don't like these community tables. You don't really be talking to nobody else there. Well, I don't. <laughs> You're supposed to. God was offering a peace offering and an offering to be in his family with the bread of heaven being Christ. We went... I'm close with this one, I promise. We went to Charleston, and we went to parts of town that I can't believe there's a restaurant there now. <laughs> like in Charlotte, you'd be like, what? 
what they doing here? What's this restaurant doing here? They selling sushi on Allen Street? What? They selling sushi? You ain't dodging bullets? What? Right? You, you, people leaving their stuff out on the porch? What? What's happened around here? Optimus Hall is about optimism? What? We went to Charleston, and they were like, you know, this is Charleston-based food, inspired food. I grew up in the place. We ate fish three times a day. Crab cake for breakfast, y'all. Right? And, and my mom would make it so good. Oh, my Lord. There was always more left over. There was no small plates. And that thing tasted good. And you knew it was good for you because she would go to the market that morning. Hey, this just came in today. Here you go. And me and Kelly and some friends, we went to this, I don't know, this Japanese-infused Charleston food, seafood restaurant. And it tasted something like mom's. Like it had the same stuff, but they added some things. It was very disappointing. I could only handle the disappointment because I'd had the real thing. Because my mama loved me. I was with her in that kitchen watching her cook it, y'all. Waiting the smells and eating. Life is going to be empty, disappointing, and hungry. Christ came because, to give you a relationship with the Father that will help you sustain the broken emptiness and disappointment of this life eternal life. Bread of heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. That you're the bread of heaven. Oh, we're all foodies. Looking for that next good food place. That next great atmosphere. Help us, Lord, to realize there is no better place to be than in your presence. And we only will be there if we accept Christ as a substance of our relationship between us and the Lord. Lord, please, there are many of us here who are hungry, poor, and we hear this and we're like, it's just too hard. Lord, I pray, as you said in the scripture, invite them in by your Holy Spirit. Call them home to your table. Let them eat. Let them learn what it means to eat from you. Call us away from the addictions, the disappointments, the appetizers that don't really fill, the destructive behaviors. Call us, Lord, to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ for poor folk, for broken and mistake-prone folk. Invite us in because you've paid the price. This we ask in Jesus' name.